finally got to watch the ultimate baseball game that I, for me, my favorite National League team, Padres, versus my favorite American League team, the Angels. Otani on the mound. They got Juan Soto running his mouth. We ain't afraid of Otani. You know he's only got 15 home runs. And Fernando Tatis, who's uh, batting third, has 16 combined. They only have as, as many as Otani. Otani's got 31 home He's got as many. Otani's, as their starting pitcher, had as many home runs as Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis combined. And they're running the mouth. But... Inevitably, uh, Padres won. But fucking epic game. But I don't know where I was going with that. So I got to admit, like, Monday was one of the better days I could possibly have. And things just had a way of falling into place, you know? I don't know. You, you ever have one of those days where just everything just... the Everything's in the groove, you know? Nothing... Nothing seems to kind of wobble out of the... Off the... Off the set path, right? And so... I end up getting tickets just long... Like, before June... July, uh, uh, May, probably in May, I got tickets. I just, I'd never been to a triple A baseball game. I've been to single A, I've been to the major leagues, and, uh, but I've never, uh, been to, more specifically, the Sacramento River Cats, who are the triple A team for the San Francisco Giants. And then, so, without realizing it, I had booked the 3rd of July. Well, I mean, I knew it. It, it just worked out because it was an early... Mondays, I get done early, which would have been the only time to go catch a game because the other games are night games, usually, if they're at home. And um, I'm usually working late or um, for whatever reason. It just worked out. This was the day to go. So, we went... And I worked until um, like four o'clock. Got done my typical time. It was hot as fuck, but um, made it home about four thirty, and got an email from the River Cats saying saying. Uh, Gates open four thirty, um, or no parking? Parking is open at four thirty. Gates open at five. First pitch six forty five. Like fuck it, we're gonna we're gonna do it up. You know, you go. You know, when in Rome, so you go there. You get a you get a dog. You get uh, whatever. You know, a dog and a beer, pretzel, whatever the f- whatever the fuck they got going on. And then um, so we left the house. Um, my lady rounded up um, a disposable uh, weed pen and then um, wrapped up all my obligations during the day. Then fourth, third, probably got closer to five, we set out for West Sac, which is 
the base, the stadium's just on the edge of downtown, and then you could either park an old sack, walk across the the. Uh, I always forget the name of the damn bridge, but it's the. Um, it, it's like a gold replica of the Golden Gate, you know, that spans Old Sack into West Sack, and then you could literally walk across that bridge, and then um, you're basically in or on the property. Um, but the parking, we just drove right in. We actually drove over the river. So in lieu of po- going into Old Sack, we pulled into the the river or uh, the the River Cat Stadium across the other side of the river in West Sack. Went straight into the front line of the parking as it was being uh, kind of air traffic controlled in to um, their their lot got a good spot no hassle um didn't have to deal with i don't know there's all these weird specifications like clear bag only you can't bring anything over this size or this that and the other and definitely can't do that and you shouldn't do that and there's lockers you can rent if you're gonna try and be a you're trying to be a hero you're trying to be you know and all all that shit i'm just like let's just we'll play dumb walk in got our you know our tickets were uh all digital, you know, because the future is now. And uh, got in no hassle with a jug of water, uh, my lady's fanny pack, which is packed with weed pens, um, phones, uh, all kinds of weird devices, glasses, sunglasses, a word that rhymes with orange, the whole the whole kit and caboodle, right? And made it in. Uh, as people were filing into the stands, there was still, uh, the way the sun was still hitting the stadium, the seats behind third base were, uh, shadowy, but everything else was blanketed in sun except for the outfield where we were, we got seats in the outfield. We got, uh, it's basically what it is, is like a big grass, grassy knoll with trees, and um, so there's like trees in the like where the bleachers would be, but you could use that as shade. We got a we got an edge of shade that still enabled us to look out right, literally down the right field line. So we grab we we laid our blanket out, had good coverage. Grabbed the table that was actually still in the because they have like these little, mm, I guess kind of like they look like mm, park bench tables they kind of like the mesh with the it's like a metal mesh with like a rubberized coating and um with like four seats and then we parked our we we laid uh we laid out the blanket in the outfield grabbed the table grabbed a couple dogs and um and everything was just like perfect you know there was no like where nobody was being milled around like livestock so good um as we sat at the table it was just me and my lady there was a seating it was like a there was like little two seat uh benches that are attached to the table itself and there's four of those so we only we only took up a little room and then uh this guy came over with the sons who were all like super tall um they all look like my son there seems to be like this 
there seems to be like this, um, uh, like a trend with tall, uh, bushy-haired kids that look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo that you know wear a hat with without with a flat brim, and they've all got clever names. So the the guy that sat down next to me, he's uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, "Hey, I'm Trevor." I go, well, I introduce myself, and he goes, well, I'm Trevor, this is, uh, this is, and then uh, I reached out to his first son, who's named Eve, I think he said Eve, but I could, maybe it's Eves, like Y-V-E-S, and in my, in my older age here, I'm, I'm uh, my, my hearing isn't, uh, is, you know, it's not what it used to be, right? And then his brother, uh, Riley, and then his other brother, Ronan. And Ronan was autistic, which um, Trevor had explained. So there's, you know, it's fascinating. There's always like, you know, it's some, it's, it's more prevalent, obviously, now. But, um, but Trevor even said, like, uh, you know, he's distracted by noise and large, you know, like abrupt sounds and crowd noises and stuff like that. So he deliberately took him out here. And I thought, well, that's interesting because the guy, this guy Trevor was, he was like one of those overeducated types because I was wearing my VW hat and he goes, oh, you into v- Volkswagen? I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I just got a GTI or I just got one. He goes, I just got one from Redwood City. And I go, oh, I go, which, which one did you get? He goes, well, I called down there. It was a GTI. I called down there and it was the, 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 Easy, the easiest of the markups or the most negotiable of the markups because he tried one in Fresno and the guy was he was kind of playing games over the phone. I'm just kind of laughing to myself because I know how I know how all that works. It's funny being an old car dog, you know, you just kind of get it. Like they try and string you along. They kind of they don't answer questions definitively. It's kind of there's an ambiguity. It's kind of like keep them on the hook, and it's the old. It's you know, it's the old, the old. The old bait and switch type situation. So he said that Redwood City was the one that played the least amount of games, but it was still a two thousand dollar markup. But it was the one he also wanted because the one in Fresno was an automatic with the paddle shifters. And he, and I'm like, oh, you're a purist. He wants a stick shift, which is most guys that get a GTI if they know what they're doing, they typically lean towards the stick shift. Like, good for him. I'm like, fuck yeah. So. uh so we chatted with them until they they uh, getting up and leaving, and then we made our way over to the blanket. And then um, I told him, "Hey man, there's a flyover. We got a flyover." He's like, "Yeah." So you could tell he was kind of like an educated guy. He probably worked for some dot com, you know, had made pretty good money. If he's buying like GTIs in Redwood City over the phone with a two thousand dollar markup, then he's he's probably in tech and so of some sort. Of maybe works for Intel or some other, you know, little fucking dot-com bullshit and uh so we grabbed our spot and then um they sang the national anthem and then uh they did the flyover which was badass a couple of uh looked like either they were f5s like uh because i think the see the blue angels fly f16s or f5s they're one or the other um and uh so it being July 3rd, of course, it was kind of like the, they build it as like a 4th of July Eve. And then the game, the game went off without a hitch. And, uh, the Rivercats, they were playing the Reno Aces. The Reno Aces are the Arizona Diamondbacks AAA. 
And um, the weather was just immaculate. Like, there's a nice, like, a 15-mile-an-hour wind, just keeping things cool. Um, my lady wanted to get they had these mini donuts. So she got a bucket of donuts. I eat, like, 19 of these things. Like, what? Like, like, fuck it. You know? Let's go. Let's fucking go. A couple of dogs. 19 little donuts. Fuck it. And, um... And then the game, the game, you know, the game was, and the game was fluid, like with the, with the new clock, the new pitch clock, it really just, it just flowed, you know, but the Rivercats ended up losing 7-0 and I thought for a second, like, okay, so they're going to have fireworks, but maybe because they lost, maybe they're like, ah, no fireworks for you assholes, go home because we lost, right? Like, fuck off. (laughs) But it wasn't. Wasn't necessarily the case. They did. They a matter of fact, a matter of fact, they ended the game ended like at eight forty five, or just you know just before nine, and it was uh, just as you know real real dusk, real da- real uh, darkness was setting, and they went right into the fireworks. Dis- it was so good, and the, it was actually like it was one of the best fireworks displays I've ever seen. Like there was hundreds of thousands of dollars just blasting up over the tree-lined outfield there and it was like and the finale was like this incessant just unrelenting up and everyone's just getting crazy you know how you know americans they're like of course you know you suffer you know you 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 are exposed to all the july 3rd 4th of july memes as far as like um as far as like uh you know americans on 4th of july being like uh George W. Bush riding a shark out of a fucking C-130 with a couple of uh, M-16s in each hand, just firing a will. And um, so it played right into that whole, you know, what the fuck is a kilometer type, you know, America, fuck yeah, vibe thing going on. And and it was good, though, really good. And, And once that was over, damn, it was like, we uh, immediately walked out the front gate across the street to the parking lot. First, second one out the door. No delay, no long convoy, no... T- I mean, everything was just fucking perfect. I couldn't fucking believe it. It was so nice. But, um, yeah, so I got to sit like, fuck, yeah. Like, I... It was just fucking amazing. And then... I mean, but I had run, I, it, I had gotten to the point now where at, by the time we got home, it was 10, 30, quarter, 11. Like I was like done. Like it, I'd left it all on the table. There's nothing left to give. Right. After, you know, early morning gym, um, work, ball game, weed, just, I was cooked. I was done. It was the best. It was just like, you just, you, you, you just slid into home. You just went into bed. Just like, that's a wrap. Like I got nothing else, nothing else to prove. Nothing, nothing else to give. It's lights out. So perfect end of a perfect day. And then the next day I just had a couple of, uh, simple stops on, Fourth of July. At, the, at this point now, the Fourth of July was just kind of a mere, kind of a, kind of a, 
dress rehearsal. Like we'd already done all the fun, but I'd forgot they they uh, they fucking they um, had a parade, Fourth of July parade. They went right by our house. Like it's fucking like where we're located. I'm telling you, it's like a little like like a little snapshot of like Brooklyn or something, you know, just like small street brick, you know, brick paved uh, crosswalks, corner barber shop, corner Mexican food joint, um, corner gym. You walk out your door, there's a fucking parade. And, uh, and I don't, I mean, it's just like all local businesses, um, quick quack car wash, the moose club, those guys, uh, started it promptly at nine o'clock. They had a police escort. Little kids were walking along the path of the parade. They were giving out candy. It was brilliant. The whole town. I mean, this is like a real sense of community. I, I have to say it was so good. Like the parade itself was like, uh, you know, I, I just, there was a cement truck. I just wanted to see like the cement truck mid, mid parade, just pour like a slab of concrete, you know, just fucking let's go. Let's fucking do this. Let's just show what the Americans are made of, you know. Gets you a little choked up, right? You're like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Pour that fucking concrete. Yeah, motherfucker. Let's fucking go. I even walked down. Uh, my lady watched some of it with me. I pulled her out of bed to go watch the shit and wave a flag and all that shit. Watch fire engines go by and make noise and all that shit. And then she went home. She had homework to do. And then I went up. I climbed up to the top of the... Uh, parking garage there where I was planning on watching fireworks later on that night, the very top. And there's a couple of bums up there just knocking back a warm 40, you know, and I just kind of looked over the edge, you know, probably about, I'd say five stories up and watched these, watched, watched the parade from another angle and then, um, came down and, uh, made my way home and then went to work. That was fucking brilliant. But boy, the, you know, the only other, the only, the only setback, and it's not even really a setback, it's just, it's usually the heat, like, I, I get, again, I get obsessed with, I just start watching, like, um, I just got into, like, deliberate heat exposure, because, basically, because as I'm doing these, uh, these fucking ice baths, right, so I, now I alternate every other day, I can't, I'm not gonna do it every day, I'm just not, I'm not that guy, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be consistent, but every other day, I'm also going to, uh, well, the idea is like, I guess like the Scandinavians and the Russians and those Arctic circle people, as they do their cold plunges in, in literal ice lakes, they also tend to, once they get out, go into a sauna. So my idea being that now it's, really the full throws of summer like I don't even need a sauna man I'm I'm being like cooked as I get out of the ice bath it's instant sauna right I mean it's just it's heat man it's it's here like you're in a sauna bitch right so so my coping mechanism now leads me to watch uh, or just get into the mindset of people that are into deliberate heat exposure uh, one of those instances be this guy, uh, I don't know what they're thinking, but there's this channel on YouTube, These guys, it's called The Yes Theory, and the idea is that it's like, uh, you know, overcoming kind of, uh, I think they're trying to, 
they, they've created, they've kind of created a brand for themselves. They wear these shirts that say seek discomfort, right? And then the middle, it's just one line, seek discomfort. And then the K in the seek and the C in the comfort are inverted. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, why, why they do that, but it's maybe a clever design thing, but, but they kind of put themselves in these deliberate situations that are deliberately uncomfortable. Like they'll go to like the most remote cabin, like the most remote fire watch in the Cascades Mountains uh, of Washington. I think it's in Washington. Or they'll go to like um, these Nepalese uh, honey hunters in the Himalayas that get this psychedelic honey, this hallucinogenic honey. But uh, this one particular episode, they went out to uh, Death Valley when it reached like 133 degrees. So they, and then they, they're out in uh, Badwater Basin, which is the lowest geographical point in the U.S. It's below sea level. Um, and just a mere two, three hours from um, the highest point in the contiguous U.S. in Mount Whitney. But um, so they, they go out there and get dropped off and just start wandering the death, wandering the, the lowest point basin of Death Valley. And I'm thinking to myself, well, all right. Well, I don't know why you would do that, but fuck it. So I started to empathize with these guys. I thought, you know, maybe the heat isn't so bad. And it just got me into this mindset, like heat is the heat, you know? It's it is it's just the heat, man. It is what it is. The heat is on. But uh, I started, so it just seems as though I just started to gravitate more towards things that are just deliberate uh, expressions of of discomfort and kind of dry, arid landscapes. And so I found myself later on that night watching. Um, I happened upon the movie No Country for Old Men. What a fucking movie. That's such a good movie. Such a fucking good movie. And, but I, I, you know, and I've seen it a couple times and it's got that ambiguous ending and it's, but it's really, it's the epitome of West Texas. This is West Texas. And it's got, and it's takes place in the year, uh, like 1980. So they really, and what's funny is I don't think a lot of the, the cityscapes that, they're in, uh, like they're in Plano, Texas. And, uh, what, what was the other one? Uh, the other town there, they're outside of a, another little town, but it's like there didn't have, I don't think they had to really kind of do any real cosmetic work to make these towns look like it was still 1980 because this is West Texas again. Right. But what I noticed was the very beginning the Josh Brolin character, uh, Llewellyn, is out. He's just out hunting uh, deer. Whitetail look like uh, white-tailed deer out in the plains of West Texas, right? So the opening shot is is uh, literally of him taking a you know putting um putting the deer in his sights, firing off around, hitting one, but the deer scampered off and. So he had to kind of follow it over the ridge to see at what point did he, did the deer drop, right? The deer was only, he was only going to make it so far, right? And so that's what led him to the beginning of the, uh, like where 
he comes upon the drug deal that, that went bad, right? And then he and then he comes across the dog that had been shot. So the drug, the the, the blood trail that he was following for the deer, then becomes this fresher trail of blood where this dog had been shot as part of this drug deal gone bad with these 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 trucks that had kind of circle kind of created this little circle of uh you know like a uh like a like a little wagon train situation that uh you could see that it transpired where the deal just went south and they all it just became a kind of a mexican standoff where they all shot each other but but what I found interesting at that point now, of course, the pivotal point in the movie is where he did, you know, he he finds the, the bag of money, takes it home, but there's the guy in the in the in the F-150, which they call a Lobo in uh, south of the border. They call those F-150s the Lariats, the Lobos, and um, the guy is still alive in the in the F-150, and he's asking for water. He's like, I ain't got any water. So Josh Brolin, his character's out there in the middle of West Texas, out in the dry, arid landscapes of West Texas. No water? Like, fucking savage, dude. But um, so he goes home when he finds the money that had been, that had, one guy had wandered off with the satchel of money and then just finally died under a tree. So he, he found that bag of money, made his way back to his trailer park, stashed the money and then got a conscience all of a sudden got a a conscience grew a conscience where he felt the need to go out and and uh, get this guy some water and that's where he made the move that's where he made the uh, mistake because when he went out there it was finally evening time and uh guy had already passed away in the f-150 but all of a sudden the owners of these said drugs and money were out there with their uh, their headlamps on their or their uh, their their you know the spotlights on their trucks and they and they catch they see uh, they see old Brolin and uh, that's where he made the mistake. So now all of a sudden it just dawned on me that the very beginning of that movie where he shoots the whitetail is he he is the predator but then soon becomes the prey so instantly the script is flipped on him so he becomes he becomes the hunter the hunter becomes the prey and then the rest of the movie is just he him being preyed upon by the predator who is Anton Chigurh played by uh, what's his name uh, Javier Bardem who is just fucking just probably one like I I'd, I'd read something where he that was like the most uh, amongst amongst um, like psychologists or a team of like psychiatrists or psychologists that was the most uh, that portrayal of a, of a sociopath of a psychopath was like the truest that they'd ever kind of seen or been documented right and it was pretty yeah it's pretty gnarly shit but but what a movie. But it's that dry, you know, it's like, uh, I'm just fat, you know, you, it is fascinating. Those big, dry, arid landscapes are just, um, they're just, there's something about them. It's just a mystery of sorts, right? And, uh, 
but yeah, it's just like there's something there's something about what happens out there. You know, you you, you look at other examples like um, take for example like another great movie like like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where Spawn Ranch is kind of like prevalent in the scenario where. Uh, it's kind of this dry, arid landscape, and there's just weird shit out there. It's kind of like that stretch of L, you know, L.A. North or uh, the high desert out there, uh, parts of uh, Simi Valley, up over the Grapevine, where they used to they used to actually film westerns up in um, the outskirts of like uh, is it Saugus around Saugus or Simi Valley in those foothills up over the grapevine, they used to shoot those old westerns up there and it had that same that same effect, you know, that dry, arid landscape. But um, but just there's just creepy, creepy, weird shit going on uh, in and amongst those landscapes. Like it just, you know, when you're out like driving in the middle of nowhere and there's like that one stop, that one little shack that you're just like, fuck, do I mean, you know, I could use a little water, but how bad do I want water if I'm going to stop off there, right? It's just, it's like, you're rolling the dice. Like, like Death Valley, for example, Death Valley, I've been through Death Valley a few times. Um, the very first time I, I, uh, did I cut a cross? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, so I was, li- I was staying in Las Vegas and I had driven up, uh, in, in May of 98 when s- Sinatra, he was the day after Sinatra died, my, my grandmother passed away. So I had left, um, I, I went up to, uh, the funeral in Yuba city, but I went up, I went up 95 cut through, or no, excuse me, 15, uh, and I think, is it the 95 that goes up past like, uh, Area 51 and all that stretch. I think, yeah, I think that's the 95. And then I cut across these little towns. There's like, uh, what? I think it's, the, is it the town of Bishop? And then you, or Independence. It's one of those funky, funky, weird little towns. It's like the entrance to, it's like the eastern entrance to uh, Death Valley. And I cut through Death Valley. So when I left Vegas, it was like 90 degrees. In May, um, I hit a sandstorm in the fucking desert, cut through Death Valley, sand just blowing across the highway, and um, got out of, just weaved my way through Death Valley, and then into, picked up uh, the 395, and then made my way north of 395, where I started getting, it started raining, up the back side of the eastern Sierras until I, I all the and this was in May, so I was rolling the dice as far as which passes were open because none of them are open. The Sonora Pass was closed, um, so I had to go all the way up into uh, just before Reno. I'd cut off and picked up the uh, like the 88 that put me out onto the 80, and then down the 80 into Yuba City. But by the time I got up into the 80, up into the foot or the mountains rather, on the eastern, uh, just past Reno, started snowing on me. I had like three different weather patterns: like rain, sandstorm, heat, snow. Fucking just, just a kaleidoscope of just bizarre conditions before I got up there. But 
but yeah, Death Valley is no joke, man. I even took my uh, my lady. We went to her and I. We made three successive Las Vegas trips, uh, starting in 2012, and then again in like 13, and then 14 each each year it seemed. Or no, the last one was in 2015. And but the very first time we went there in 2012. I we did this. I did the same maneuver. I, I instead of going back the traditional way, I kind of taken the 58th through Mojave uh, up over to Hatchapi into Bakersfield. I decided I'd go uh, through Death Valley, and it was epic. Like um, she even wanted to like you know make make love in a sand dune. I'm like, baby, sand gets everywhere, girl. Like we gotta maybe t- eh, maybe we'll do it another time, right? <laughs> But you drive through like, and this was uh, through like the main, this is like through Stovepipe Wells and uh, Furnace Creek and all those weird little towns, you know. Again, it's like, even though it's Death Valley, and Death Valley is the largest, um, Death Valley is the largest uh, national park in the U.S., oddly enough. And, um, or in the contiguous U.S., rather. Um, because Denali in, uh, Alaska's the largest. So, so it was a great trip. Drove past Sand Dunes, Zabriskie Point. There's so much going, you know, like, all those landscapes are pretty cool, right? Zabriskie Point, uh, where they filmed the movie Zabriskie Point with uh, the dir- uh, director Michelangelo Antonioni and uh, Sam Shepard writing the script. Just a weird-ass kind of acid trip of a movie. Like, that's what you get in the desert, you know? You get weird kind of mad monks and visionaries and uh, just weirdos. Just, you know, it's just... It's, that, it's, it's what the high desert is there for. It's for the, the mad monks... And, and, and these weird visionaries. And, uh, but subsequently, see, after, after, um, that particular stretch, the next year, 2013, or I can't remember if it was 13 or 14, but we tried it again and we left late and we ended up go, cutting across Death Valley again, got lost lost our signal the gps put us in some i don't know we were of course it was dark you can't see anything you're in the middle of death valley it's huge it's huge um now keep in mind now death valley does have the highest recorded temperature of all time at 134 and um but this was at night and there was we there was one stop we 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 uh we pulled, we stopped off some, we pulled over cause we were going to ask directions and it was like a little funky ass hotel. One like you'd see kind of like where, uh, Llewellyn, uh, Josh Brolin's character, Llewellyn ended up at in uh, West Texas, kind of a similar kind of thing like that, where it's like, you, you know, you still probably use a real key. And, uh, but we didn't, I, I wasn't going to get out. This was like devil's rejects type stuff. Like that's what, you know, that's what, uh, that's why that a movie like devil's rejects is so, um, uh, kind of 
pure and realistic because um, like that shit could happen, right? Devil's Rejects is kind of like one of those weird, like that's kind of like out in Bakersfield, Taft area, kind of like where they filmed like uh, the beginning of like Five Easy Pieces with Jack Nicholson, you know, middle of nowhere, highway desert, oil derricks in the background, um, and then just psychopaths. Just weird psychopaths in strange buildings uh, that you don't pull over and ask directions for. Unless you want to be tortured in a stark, shitty motel room. Right? I guess. That's the heat for you. Because the heat does shit to you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, but it's just, all it is is a matter of, you know, coping with the heat. Um, But I, yeah, all those scenarios just they just fascinate me you know they do they do things to people that's where the like again like that's where the manson followers live they lived out like in lancaster or something right like in in uh on spawn ranch you know just deserted dry dried out just a husk of a town just strange just bizarre shit you know so it's both compelling and both and in like and foreboding all the same time so uh, but there is something about it. There's something, there is something about it, right? Um, like it is, it's no country for old men. That's for sure. Like that's hence the title. Like it's, it's, um, people just wander out in the desert and then they just don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't come back. Right. It's just, uh, it's fascinating shit. But, uh, yeah, like I've just been upset. Like I'm reading this, my lady got me this book called, uh, uh, the man who walked through time. It's uh, about the first, the first guy to ever walk from, uh, walk the entirety of the Grand Canyon. Uh, and this was back in the '60s. And um, so it's something like that's quite. It's just fascinating. Um, there's like you've got to, you've you've you got to hold a little respect for those situations because um, it's just so unforgiving. There's only been, there's, um, of course, now this was prior to them. They expanded the size of the part of Grand Canyon National Park after this guy did it. So it was a, it was an abbreviated uh, route. It was, it was still a, gosh, a couple hundred miles, but um but once they expanded the park now, if you were the total length of, of, a, of a journey like that, rim to rim or, or north rim to south rim, the entirety of the edge, the outer edge, brings you to closer to about 700 miles. And there's been more people that have stood on the surface of the moon that have, than have traversed the entirety of the outer rim north to south the 700 mile trek. Uh, I think there's been 12, 12 men on the moon. There's only been a total of 10 that have made that trek around the Grand Canyon. Um, there's some rim to rim trail I was looking at that they call, they call it the rim to rim and it, you can do it in a day, but it's not, that's not what I'm referring to. This is the actual outer edge of the entire Canyon. So, and it is, it's built as a through hike, but it's, it's a, it's, it's ridiculously, uh, 
it's ridiculously obstinate and uh, foreboding. So it's just, uh, it's just, but it's that appeal, you know, people want to go, like, if you strip it down, the Grand Canyon, all it is, is just, it's just a big hole. It's a big dusty hole, but people come from all over the world to see it, right? It's fascinating. There is that, it's that, that allure of just the desert and the heat and, uh, and, and just the, the stoic existence of, you know, you find this the harshest of the climates out there and the animals that are out there are just the, the people the, the, they're the, they're the animals in the, f- the flora and the fauna that are, are the only things that can survive in those environments. And, and it, it's cruel and it's, it's, uh, but there, you know, there's frogs and lizards and, you know, reptiles and, uh, and bugs and beetles and shit like that, that, that that's the only thing that can survive out there. So, you know it's got to be gnarly, right? I mean, that's why Australia has this like, the weirdest ass shit. Like, um, these guys that go out there and just kind of throw out a, a a bedroll and just kick it on a a bed of sand. It's just like, bro, like, uh, yeah, like uh, you got balls of steel, man. You've got ten pound fucking cannonballs. But um, but all in all, like I say, there's. Uh, you know, sometimes you catch a groove, you get lucky. Uh, if you're on a trek, if you're on a, like we got lucky with our ball game, the fireworks, it was a great, it was just, it, fuck, it was so good. And then, but the flip side of that is just the, it's just the, the extremities of these, uh, it's the flip side of streamlined perfection. The flip side of, you know, of, uh, Enjoyment and convenience is just a nice little jaunt in the desert. Am I right or am I right? Or am I right or am I right? But, uh, but anyway, yeah. Just more pointless musings from, uh, from, uh, more, more pointless dispatches from, uh, from an, an arm's length admirer of desert landscapes. And, uh, but, uh, if you ever, if you ever want to read like a really good, uh, like the epitome of life in the desert, that would be like Edward Abbey, like desert solitaire. It's a perfect, like when he, when he was a, a park ranger out at Arches National Park in, uh, in Utah, it's fascinating. That, that, just that, 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 like there's, there's no other landscape quite, like that. I mean, as Americans, you know, you can, you take for granted some of these places like, um, Southern Utah, even parts of Nevada, like there's parts of Nevada I would love to go hiking through right where like sparks ends. And then you get the little rolling Hills and the bluffs and the, there's actual mountains like Nevada's got, Nevada even takes kind of a bad rap as far as expectations people think there's nothing I and mean, there's not much out there but the rolling hills are fascinating and, the, and 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 i've been told like by people that are really into like geology and stuff like that like there's shit inside those hills that both geologic and 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 probably you know government institutionally there's some weird shit inside those hills out in nevada but i would love to just kind of go out past sparks 
and uh, kind of roam around those hills, you know, just south of like the Black Rock Desert where they set up for Burning Man. Because there's another example, like people just seekers, just weirdo seekers going out to the desert, right? Mad monks and weirdo seekers going out to the Black Rock Desert, you know, setting up a city for a week, just staying in the desert, just being one with the dust and shit like that. It's fascinating. Just good shit, man. Weird. Just, uh, just interesting, interesting kind of like the minute you think of deserts, you're just like, oh yeah, bunch of mad monks and weirdos and seekers. Yep. Mad monks, weirdos and seekers. But on that note, I'm going to wrap it up for y'all and, uh, hope y'all had a good fourth. Merk, fuck yeah. And I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, baby.